We'll read chapter 2, verse 1 through 8 of 1 Peter. Hear now God's word. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy, uh, hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble. Because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. I remind you that this is God's holy and inspired word. It contains all that we need for faith and for life. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever. Let's once again pray. Uh, I... Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you will put, my, put your words in my mouth and bless my preaching. Make the congregation pliable and malleable to understand the things that I, I am speaking of and bless them as you bless myself. It's in Jesus' name name that we pray. Amen. You may not be able to tell it in the English translation that I read, but there is a clear theme which is found in the repetition of one word, precious. In verse 4, Peter describes Jesus as chosen and precious in the sight of God. Again, in verse 6, when Peter quotes from Isaiah 28, 16, he recites, Behold, I am laying a cornerstone, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And who believe, whoever believes in him shall not be put to shame. And lastly, although it is slightly obscured in the ESV, the same word is used in uh, verse 7. I read now from the New King James and NIV, which both capture this theme of Peter. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is Precious. Three times 
in three verses, Peter highlights the preciousness of Christ. He is precious to God. He is precious to the prophets. He is precious to believers. In contrast, Peter says that those who don't believe are those who have rejected Him. To them, He has become a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And so they stumble because they disobey the Word of God. They stumble over this teaching of the preciousness of Christ. They stumble over these words. And unlike believers, they cannot yield obedience to the Word of Christ. Now, I think that is very important. Why is it so important? Ultimately, people don't believe in Christ because they don't believe that Christ is precious. But on the flip side, the reason that Christians put their trust in Christ and submit to Him as Lord is because they find Christ precious, lovely. They cherish Christ. They prize Him. They consider Him an exceedingly great reward as Genesis 15.1 says. Paul says he considers Christ the greatest treasure in the universe. And compared with Him, all things are but dung. Therefore, I believe I can present the primary doctrine of this sermon this way. To believers, Christ is precious. To believers, Christ is precious. Again, verse 7 confirms this. To those who believe, He is precious. And what I wish to show you in the exposition is the reasons why Christ is precious to believers. So let us turn our uh, attention now to this exposition. I want you to consider five reasons why Jesus is precious to believers. First, because He is good. Peter, having encouraged believers to be fed by the pure milk of the Word and find that the Lord is good. Verse 3 says, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Then in verse 4, he says, As you come to Him, that is, the Lord. However, he clarifies who it is that he is intending by this. And he says, a a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Now here it becomes crystal clear that the person that he is describing is the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to understand Jesus as good? This good can be rendered a couple of different ways. Not just as good but as reputable, pleasant, kind, loving, and benevolent. Why do Christians find Christ precious? Because He is pleasant, loving, kind, and benevolent. We all know pleasant people, don't we? 
That is, people who are enjoyable to be around. And when we meet such people, we want to be around them. Christians want to be around Jesus. They want to serve Jesus. They want to be with Jesus because He is precious to them. Because He is good and pleasant. In fact, there is no one more pleasant than our Lord Jesus Christ who invites people to come into His presence and find rest. To find that He is easy and lowly of heart and that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Why do Christians find Jesus precious? Because they find Him good and kind and benevolent. Secondly, they find Him precious because He is Lord. He is Lord. Now verse 7 is undoubtedly a reference to Psalm 34.8 in which David urges our hearers to taste and see that the Lord is good. Now it is clear that in Psalm 35, David is speaking of Yahweh as indicated by the capital letters in English. Before, but here, this Yahweh of whom he speaks, this Lord, he grants this title to Jesus. Now, this is an extraordinary textual evidence for supporting the divinity of Jesus. For a title clearly attributed to the Father in the Old Testament is here given to the Son in the New Testament. That is, it is right and appropriate to grant the divine name, the covenantal name of God, not only to the Father, but also to the Son. So the reason that Jesus is precious to believers is because He is Lord. All too often, unbelievers are convinced that He is merely a man, a good teacher. And often the suggestion is believed that this teaching was not of apostolic origin, that even the twelve believed Him to be merely a mortal. Well, consider Peter's letter again. Peter was one of the twelve, and one of the inner circle of the twelve, perhaps even the leader of the apostles. It is inconceivable, given the way he utilizes the Old Testament here, that Peter believed Christ to be merely a man. And evidence of this fact is when he applies to him the name of the Lord, not Adonai, Master, but the covenantal name of God alone in the Old Testament. He says this Jesus is precious because in a way that surpasses our comprehension, He is Lord. That title granted to the Father can faithfully be supplied to the Son because He too is divine. The second member of the Godhead. And how precious is He? The divine made flesh who dwelt among us 
and taught us and lived for us and died and died for us. He was not just a man. He was also Lord. Peter assumes that to believers, Christ is precious. Thirdly, He is precious to believers because He is precious to the Father. We read in verse 4, As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Although the world may deem Him unworthy, though His own contemporaries largely rejected Him, yet to the Father in heaven, He is chosen and precious. Why is the Son precious to believers? Because He is precious to our Heavenly Father. Children of the Heavenly Father love what the Father loves. Those things which are precious to the Father are also precious to believers. I have many favorite movies, but nothing surpasses Ben-Hur. With of course, Charlton Heston. No matter how many movies I watch, that movie can never be surpassed. Now, there may be good and legitimate reasons to think it a great movie. The actors, Charlton Heston, is incredible. The plot line and the storyline is good and moving and convincing. And I'm always moved to tears when I watch that film. But I can tell you the reason that I love that movie so much is because my father loved it. I love it, and it is precious to me because my father loved it. If you love your earthly father, you love the things your father loved, don't you? There are other things, excuse me, there are things that you will forever cherish that will be insignificant in the eyes of others. But because you love your Father, you also love what is precious to Him. How much more our Heavenly Father? How much more do we love the things the Father loved? And how much more precious is Jesus than any trinket of our earthly fathers. The Father said of Him at His baptism, this is My beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And again in the transfiguration, this is My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. The Son is beloved, precious in the sight of the Father. If you are a child of God, You will love Jesus. You will find Him the greatest treasure under heaven because the Father thinks so. You will consider Him the most lovely lovely and precious thing in the galaxy. All other things, by comparison, you will think merely as dung. Among other reasons, because your Father who is in heaven finds Him precious. Fourthly, He is precious to believers because He is the fulfillment 
of the Scriptures. We read in verse 4 that he was rejected by men. For Jews, this is a great stumbling block. If he was actually the Messiah, why did men reject him? Why did they not bow to him? And why did God treat him as a curse in hanging him on a tree? But what they fail to see is what Peter explicitly reminds here. That these things happened as they did according to the will of God contained in the words of sacred Scripture. As Peter writes in verse 6, quoting Isaiah 28.16, he says, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. In the first place, he is stating that he is raising up a new temple, a spiritual temple that will be built upon another foundation, upon a living foundation, even Christ Himself. Further still, in verse 7 and 8, Peter quotes from Psalm 118, verse 22. And then, Isaiah 8, 14, in which we see that this stone would be rejected by men, but through their rejection, he would become the chief cornerstone. Verse 7, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And further, Isaiah 14, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to those who reject Him. Why is Jesus so precious to believers? Because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Him. All those things that God promised that He would make a new temple consisting of every tongue, tribe, and nation of which would be built upon a living stone, a true spiritual temple, finds its fulfillment in Jesus. All those things promised in the Old Testament find their fulfillment in Christ. God's people stand amazed at the symmetry of God's Word and how it points to the the glorious character of Christ. To them, Christ is amazing. And to them, Christ is is precious. But lastly, he is precious to believers because he makes us precious. We read in verse 5, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Follow the logic here. It is very important. First, he says that we are being built up as a spiritual house. Notice that these words are passive. We are being built, presumably by God, through the person and work of Christ. We are being built up and made into a spiritual edifice, a spiritual temple, a spiritual house in order that we might be a holy priesthood. And as such, we offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. That is because of this being built up 
and being made a priesthood, we offer sacrifices to the Father that the Father receives. We who were formerly filthy and unclean and alienated from God are now His priests and are under our great High Priest. And we can actually by His grace present offerings pleasing to the Father. But then, note the kicker. Through Jesus Christ. Only through Jesus Christ. How is it that any of these things can happen? Only through the person and work of Jesus Christ. In other words, He makes us precious to the Father. That is why we love Him, but He was slaughtered by the hands of unclean men so that we might become precious to the Father and useful in the kingdom. And it is only through the work of Jesus Christ. Why do believers consider Christ to be precious? Because by His work, He has made us precious to the Father. Now, I want to close by pressing a few of these things home to us. If the doctrine has been confirmed that the difference between believers and unbelievers is that, the, is that Christ is precious, I want to begin by making some applications to unbelievers and then to believers, to the unbeliever. Do you see how the Bible speaks of Jesus? Do you see how He is exalted in the mouth of Peter? Do you see that the Bible, recalling the evaluation of the prophets and recalling the evaluation of God Himself as He speaks in the Word, that Jesus is precious. He is is the inestimable, inestimable treasure of heaven. He is the sum of all the promises of God. He is the radiance of the divine glory, the exact likeness of His character. Could it be that in your rejection of Him, you have missed the most precious and glorious commodity in the heavens? Perhaps I, I cannot persuade you to trust in Jesus from one sermon, but perhaps I can challenge you to take up your Bible and read, investigate the claims of Jesus and consider it. What if Jesus is what He actually said He was? What if He is the priceless jewel of heaven? Won't you consider it? How many times have you looked back on your life and said, I I wished I had listened to my mother or father if I had done what she or he said, I've, I, I would not have missed out on something good. Let me urge you to, to consider the claims of Christianity again before it's too late. To believers, we have been told today that the main difference between you and an unbeliever is that in your eyes, Jesus appears precious. The reason you come to Him, as Peter said, is because you think that Christ is precious. 
if that is what constitutes a Christian from an unbeliever, my question is this, are you cherishing Christ now? Do you consider Him precious today? Is He a treasure hidden in a field for which you will sell everything to obtain? Is He a pearl of great price? My friends, I urge you now to take the, applica- to take the applications following. One, make Christ precious in your prayers. Make Christ precious in your prayers. Pray to the Father and the Spirit to enable you to regard Christ as precious. Plead with the Father and the Spirit to present Him to you in the way uh, the author of Hebrews does. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. He is the radiance and imprint of God's holy nature. Plead with God to reveal this to you, that you will consider Christ as precious. The second application is this. Make Christ precious in your thoughts. Fix your thoughts upon Jesus. Fix your eyes upon the things spoken of Him today. Compare Him. Compare His worth and His splendor to all things under heaven. Consider all the glorious things on earth and hold it up to Christ and find Christ better still. Fill your thoughts with the words of the Apostle Paul. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of of Christ. I indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, garbage, in order that I may gain Christ. Fill your thoughts with the precious things of Christ. The third application is this. Make Christ precious in your hearts. Make Christ precious in your hearts. Your heart follows your mind. If you fill your mind with the thoughts of the glory of Christ, your heart will soon follow and be filled with the grandeur of the thoughts of salvation. John Owen wrote, Thoughts and meditations of these things will abound in us and thereon will ensure intense and inflamed affections. Bring your hearts to Jesus and pray that you will find Him precious. The fourth application that I would like to suggest to you this morning is make Christ precious in your words. When someone cherishes another person, he speaks of that person with love and affection. When you see a a newly married couple, they often give this impression. Their spouse is the smartest, the most attractive, the most charming person that has ever been on the earth. And you say, ah, newlyweds. 
but for those who, in, who are in Christ, who are believers in Christ, you find Him lovely. You find Him uh, gracious. You find Him precious. How much more does this belong to those who profess faith in Christ? Will we not speak with our families of the glorious character? And to our friends and to our families, will we not sit at the dinner table and speak of His preciousness to us if He is truly to be found in us as precious? My friends, if we regard Him as precious, let us confirm that by speaking with esteem as a new bride speaks of her husband. May His praises, may Christ's praises rattle off our tongues with such ease as we consider and cherish Him in our hearts. Fifthly, make Christ precious in your deeds. Again, when a young husband loves his wife, he does things to demonstrate his love. He sends her flowers. He takes her on dates. He writes her poetry. And even the noblest of us sing Uh, sing her songs. Let us be so enamored with Christ and so dwell upon His preciousness that we live in such a way that the world around us sees how precious He is to us. Let the world see that to us who believe, He is precious. Sixthly, make 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 Christ precious in your proclamation. Look at verse 9. And I don't have much time to go into this, but just look at the text. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Peter assumes that if you are really affected by this preciousness, that you will go into all the world and proclaim Him as such. That you will boldly proclaim to the lost and dying world and that you will proclaim the excellencies or the preciousness of Christ. Seventhly and finally, make make Christ precious in His priestly office. The sacrament spread before you highlights the priestly office of Christ our Redeemer. We remember well when we remember His body being torn into pieces on our behalf. And we remember Him well when we remember that He spilt His own blood to reconcile us to God. We remember His preciousness when we take and eat this figurative body and blood and remember that this was done for our good. His sacrifice was acceptable in our stead because Christ was deemed precious by His Father. Blameless and righteous. So let us consider Him in all His glory and all His preciousness.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that we will find Christ to be most precious. We plead with You to make Him more precious in our sight. Would You enable us to regard Him as precious in our prayers, our thoughts, our hearts, our words, our deeds, our proclamation, and enable us to regard Him as precious because in His sacrificial work, Jesus delights to make us precious to You. And as we come to remember Him in this tiny serving of bread and this tiny serving of wine, effectually make us more and more into Your Son's image. In His precious name we pray. Amen.